episode two of this podcast, I attempted to explain to my friend Aaron Bandler the type of fermentation controller that I use for my setup. Then a couple of days later, John Beeler reached out and agreed to do the show. John is the creator of the Fermentrack software, the Raspberry Pi based temperature controller forked from Brew Pi. I felt our conversation was something I had to share, so we're going to take on Fermentrack again today on Homebrewing DIY. Have you ever wanted to make a podcast? Do you have a subject you want to discuss with listeners? Do you even know where to start? Well, if you want to make a podcast and you want to get started now, I could not recommend Anchor enough. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Hey, look, I shopped around for a place to post my podcast and Anchor was the easiest, most streamlined experience you could ask for. So if you're looking for a place for your new podcast, Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Once again, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome back to Homebrewing DIY, the podcast that takes on the do-it-yourself aspect of homebrewing. Gadgets, contraptions, and parts, this podcast covers it all. Today we're talking with John Beeler, the creator of Fermentrack. This is yet another Raspberry Pi project geared around fermentation based on the Legacy Brew Pi project. John is going to talk with us about his thinking in building Fermentrack and how you can build one yourself. Please support the podcast by clicking on the support link in the description. Your support helps this podcast stay on the air and helps the show get better. You can give to this podcast monthly, and any amount will help. You can just use the link anchor.fm forward slash homebrewing DIY forward slash support. If you support us at the $4.99 level or higher, I will send you a brand new shiny homebrewing DIY logo sticker just for saying thanks. Another way to support the podcast is to review us on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. Your review helps other homebrewers find this show. If you're looking for homebrewing software to build your recipes or just want to try something new, please try our sponsor, Brewfather. Brewfather is a great free version and it's very easy to use and has a ton of features. You can support the podcast by going to our website, homebrewingdiy.beer and clicking on the Brewfather banner. Give it a try. It's some really great, powerful software. Do you have feedback for the show? Is there a subject you want us to cover? Have you built something great and you'd like to share? Shoot me an email at podcast at homebrewingdiy.beer. I would love to hear from you, and I'd love to share your feedback. John Beeler created an amazing web interface for the BrewPy project, and he's agreed to come on the show and share his thinking for building Fermentrack. I present you with John Beeler and Fermentrack.
I'd like to welcome John Beeler to the show to discuss a really cool project that I personally use for my fermentation chamber, which is Fermentrack. John is the creator of Fermentrack. He forked it from the original Brew Pie project, and I'd like to introduce him to Homebrewing DIY. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, I think what we should do is uh, let's just start with your thinking of why you decided to fork the Brew Pie project and create your own version of a fermentation controller. Sure. So, um, what's what's interesting is is so so if you think about the Brew Pie project, there's three main components to the Brew Pie project. Um, there is the hardware controller, which is running a Brew Pie compatible firmware. Um, there is a web-based application, so there's like a web front end. And then there's a, a script that communicates between the two. <clears throat> now, what actually, like when, when I was developing um, uh, Fermentrack, I actually was doing it um, as, as a uh, way of integ better integrating a hardware controller that I was working on. So what I'd actually done was I had gone and was working on a separate project called Fuscus, which is done by a guy named uh, Andrew Arrington. Uh, and what he had decided to do was to try and take the BrewPy controller and rebuild it in straight Python. So the idea would be that you could pick up a Raspberry Pi and with very little additional hardware, um, get that so that it would be able to run something similar to the BrewPy firmware and control a fridge directly. And I thought this was a great approach. This was something that was really interesting to me. Less is more in that case. And so if... I was going to be able to leverage that project to then go and run my fermentation chamber. I wouldn't have to pick up any of the other stuff that would be associated with RuPy. Got involved in that project and at the same time decided to build a sprinkler system um, that uh, I had used an ESP8266 controller for and thought, you know, about six months after I built that sprinkler system, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could run the RuPy firmware on an ESP8266? Uh, and so I went and over the course of about a month and a half, two months, uh, built it. And once I'd done that, I said, wow, this is really neat. Um, wouldn't it be cool if rather than having it so that my BrewPy controller had to be connected to the same um, or to a Raspberry Pi running the BrewPy web interface, wouldn't it be cool, like using a cable? Wouldn't it be cool if I could do this over Wi-Fi? And so then I went and edited the script and got it so that it would work over, over Wi-Fi and then realized, wow, getting this thing to work in the BrewPipe web interface is a massive pain. And that was the point in time at which I said, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. Let me go ahead and see if I can come up with a better solution. So that's when I decided to go and, uh, and try and build Fermentrack. So I think one of the things that tends to get lost in a lot of discussions around Fermentrack is that Fermentrack is a replacement for the web interface for BrewPy. It is not the actual controller or anything else. It's designed so that it can support whatever BrewPy compatible hardware you want to throw at it, be it um, my project that started it all, the uh, ESP8266 version, be it the um, original BrewPy firmware, uh, be it the one that you discussed a few weeks ago, so um, Lee Bussey's BrewPy Remix, uh, or even um, one of the official actual BrewPy controllers like uh, like Elko created. Um, it also supports other hardware like the Tilt, um, the Gravity Sensor, 
the homebrew version, the ice spindle, um, or, you know, even if you wanted to just go ahead and make manual fermentation uh, notes, it even supports that. Yeah, so it, basically what you're saying is is that the script that's being pushed over to the microcontroller is essentially the same one that Elko wrote with the brew pie, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what's actually operating, running the PID in the system. But the 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 web interface is what is different in Ferment Track. And what what of the web interface that you were trying to fix? Like, for example, they are very different. Even the graphing yep. is different. What what oh, yeah. was it about the BrewPy interface that you didn't like? What what were you trying to actually fix? So one of the things that was really interesting when I first started looking into the BrewPie firmware was that something Elko had started to try and do but never finished uh, implementing was this concept of having a single controller control multiple fermentation chambers or control multiple beers. And the idea was that within that controller, um, you could have it so that one piece of hardware would then control however many beers you wanted to ferment with simultaneously. The problem is, even though he never finished building out that support, um, one thing I had found very confusing about the BrewPy web interface was it still required you to do things like specify which chamber you were trying to, to control or which beer within that chamber you were trying to control. And if you didn't understand that you needed to specifically select this specific chamber or this specific beer, it would fail silently. And that was something that I had found really confusing. And so something that I had wanted to try and do from the start was to design Fermentrack in a way that was more intuitive, um, but also would provide the user with, um, with, with actionable feedback that would allow them to correct whatever it was that was preventing them from getting their, um, their fermentation controller up and running. Okay. So you're, you're, the actionable feedback, so like, for example, if there is an error, it's telling you what that error is, that that kind of feedback? Exactly, exactly. So one of the screens that I'm actually proudest of is one that hopefully most people only see once or twice during uh, uh, during an install of Fermentrack. If you actually click into the settings page on Fermentrack, it's got a grid of icons that, will, that are color-coded to show you what, what pieces of the system you've set up and what the implication is of not having that piece set up or active um, in terms of how that will impact your overall, um, your experience with, with, with the system. Um, there are elements that are completely optional um, in a normal BrewPy setup, like for example, measuring what the temperature of the room is. Um, that's not gonna have any impact on, on your beer whatsoever. It's just more of an informational thing. But then there are things that may seem like they're not important, but are actually critical. So if you're building a brew pie set up in order to control the temperature of a beer that you're fermenting, you may think, well, hey, the temperature of the fridge that the beer is in isn't really relevant. However, that actually is critical to, um, to the PID algorithm. And if you don't have that set, it will result in you not having a functioning um, a functioning controller. So providing that feedback to the user upfront, making it very obvious what it is that is is available or is happening, and allowing them to then very quickly correct that and get to a, a position where they have a working setup was was something that was very very important to me. 
Yeah, and and you just mentioned the PID algorithm. Let's mm-hmm. just assume whoever's listening to this doesn't know what that is. What, what's a good way <clears throat> of explaining how a PID works? So if you think about it, right, I can, if I have a, a bottle of beer and the bottle of beer that I have is room temperature and I stick that bottle of beer in a ice chest that's filled with ice, then generally I think most people have done that and they know the beer doesn't freeze. The beer gets cold, but it doesn't freeze. The thing is, is that the same thing is true when you're trying to ferment something. If you take a fermenter that's full of beer and you stick it into a fridge and you set that fridge to a temperature of 32 degrees, beer is not going to freeze. It's not going to get all the way down to to freezing temperature. Um, What that means is, is that means that the temperature of the beer itself is while while it's dependent on the temperature of its surroundings of of the fridge or of the ice chest it can't be you can't make the assumption that the temperature of its surroundings are the same as the temperature inside the beer what a pit algorithm attempts to do is it attempts to determine uh how changes to the temperature of the environment that your beer is in will impact the temperature of the beer itself and therefore allow you to control the temperature of your beer by controlling the environment. Um, What that means is, is if you decide that you want to ferment a beer at exactly 71.5 degrees Fahrenheit, using a pit algorithm, you can actually generally control it to about that degree of accuracy, even though your fridge is going to be cycling on and off, um, you know, a couple times over the course of an hour, where, where it may not seem like you would be able to control it quite that tightly. So what it does is, is, is a, u- the utilization of a PID algorithm allows you to very tightly control an output, in this case, um, the temperature of your beer, by uh, controlling the inputs, in this case, how often your fridge is on or off. Yeah, and when you're looking at the, the graph there, that's the fridge set point or the heat set point, right? And... and- is, yeah, is, so, the, is the variance between that and your beer temperature, right? Ex- exactly. So the, the idea is is that, um, um, I mean, fridge set point, if you're, if, if you're familiar with the brew pie setup, then, then one of the things that's interesting on the graphs that a brew pie will produce is it will show you, okay, you, set, you said that you wanted your beer to be at exactly, you know, 71.4 degrees Fahrenheit, but here's the temperature that I'm trying to target in order to be able – to like for your fridge in order to be able to keep your beer at that at that temperature um again in this case what you're really saying is you're saying i'm less concerned about the temperature of my fridge i'm more concerned about the temperature of the beer and that's what the algorithm really allows you to control for exactly and one of the cool features that i like about ferment track is the way that you handle profiling right so profiling mm-hmm. the beer though the brew pie could also do that you have a different interface for that what were you thinking in that difference in interface um <laughs> the honest answer to that is is i never was able to figure out the brew pie interface and so i just said it's fine if i'm going to rebuild this i might as well rebuild it in a way that makes sense to me um really what the idea behind the way that I designed it was, was to try and make it as intuitive as possible. And so that's one of the reasons why one of the things that Fermentrack attempts to do is 
to represent a profile in multiple ways. So um, for anyone listening that hasn't used a BrewPy before, what a, what a brew profile says is, is it allows you to say, all right, um, I know that when I pitch this yeast in my, in my wart, that what's going to happen is, is that this yeast is going to go to town on it over the course of the first few days. There's going to be a little bit of a lag, but after three days, it's really going to be munching away on all those sugars. And then after about seven days or so, you know, it's going to have mostly munched through the majority of it. Um, and by about day 10 or so, it'll be completely done. So I can say, all right, over the first few days, I want to keep the temperature relatively low. You know, I don't want to produce a whole hell of a lot of, uh, of, of esters and whatnot, you know, and I want to keep it pretty controlled. So I want to say, keep my beer at, um, you know, 76 degrees or sorry, 72 degrees. Then as the ferment, as it starts to, uh, drop off and as, as most of the sugars have been consumed, you know, I wanted to go to town and I want to, um, try and clean up the beer a little bit. So I want to warm it up a little bit in order to, um, help finish that beer off. So I want to go ahead and have it over the course of, you know, three days starting about day five, I want to go from 76 degrees to, or sorry, 72 degrees to 76 degrees, not too fast. You know, I want to, want to let it warm up a little bit, you know, over time, but still want to be able to, to, uh, raise the temperature slowly. Then starting about day 10, you know, day 12, I want to start cold crashing, but again, I don't want to have a lot of suck back. So I don't want to have it where all of a sudden I go from 76 degrees down to 32 degrees. I want to have it so that that temperature will, or so that I'll slowly lower the temperature by, you know, a degree or two per hour um, and have it so that when all is said and done at the end of say day 14, it's now at my cold crash temperature. What brew pie setups allow you to do is to create a profile that will do all of those temperature changes automatically without any user input. Um, within Furman track, what happens is, is as you're inputting the various set points, it will show you visually as well as through a text representation exactly what the profile you're specifying will accomplish. So it will show you that the temperature will be held level for three days at 72 degrees. It will show you the gradual ramp up over the course of a few days until it hits that 76 degree level. And then it will show you that gradual ramp down as you're cold crashing and tell you exactly what day your um, your beer will finish. That's pretty cool. And uh, what what new features have you added to Ferment Track that BrewPy doesn't have? So one of the ones that, it, it, I mean, the, the most obvious one is support for, um, for Wi-Fi controllers and controllers that aren't set up um, via serial. Uh, Fermentrack allows you to very, very quickly attach new controllers, not have to go in, edit a bunch of files in order to do so. Um, it allows you to set controllers up um, through a very intuitive interface, if I may say so myself. Um, it also allows for the connection of things like uh, specific gravity sensors. So the tilt hydrometer as one, um, the ice spindle is another. Uh, it allows for very easy uh, beer profile sharing. So you can copy and paste uh, beer profiles onto things like web forums, share them with people, um, makes it much easier to uh, take a profile somebody else has created and import it into, uh, into the app. Um, I'm trying to think what else does it have? I know that it's, some of your most recent updates was the ability to export data to third-party sites. 
Yeah. Um, so it, it, it has the ability to cascade data down. Um, we have one of the things that I'm, I'm in the process of working on is getting uh, support built out for uh, Brewfather and uh, finishing up and then cleaning up the support for, uh, for Brewer's Friend. The idea really is, is whatever applications you use is part of your pipeline. Uh, Fermentrack shouldn't really get in the way of that. It should allow you to um, maintain whatever data you collect from, from your sensors and over the course of your fermentation and integrate that into, into your pipeline more broadly. So, Yeah, so an example would be, let's say I'm using Brewfather or Brewer's Friend the data would then chart a graph right attached to the recipe that I've been working on with from the, from the start. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What if I were, let's say I've never picked up a soldering iron. This is uh, the first, <laughs> my, my, my first day looking at this, what are the things I need to get to build a ferment track? So Fermatrack is actually pretty simple to get set up. So fundamentally, Fermatrack is just a web interface uh, that runs on Python, and it can run on pretty much any setup that you have that can host a Python-based web interface. Uh, it was designed because, in part because of its uh, uh, the legacy of BrewPy. Um, it was designed to run on a Raspberry Pi. So it's very simple if you don't have another host system to pick up a Raspberry Pi and very quickly install it. Uh, one of the nice things is, is that Fermatrack can be installed with one command. So once you have your Raspberry Pi up and running, you run that one command and everything else is taken care of for you. Um, it also, for more advanced users or users that like to, uh, to be a bit more experimental, it can actually be run on any other um, uh, anything else that can run Python. So you could conceivably run it on a web server if you wanted to. I've heard of people running it in Docker um, or on virtual machines like that. You, in theory, could even run it in, uh, in, in Windows if you really wanted to try and, uh, and go down that path. Um, not suggesting it, I've never done it, but it could be done. If you're looking to try and build a BrewPy uh, that would run uh, in conjunction with Fermentrack, then that's where you really would have to start thinking about picking up a soldering iron. Um, again, for the project that I support, so the ESP8266 um, port of BrewPy, it's, I think it's fairly straightforward, but it does require some light soldering um, as well as, as some comfort level working with, um, with, with mains power. Um, you would be building a power controller that would turn on and off your fridge. So you have to be comfortable um, hooking up into relays and, 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 and doing things like that. Uh, but again, I, I tend to find it's a lot easier than people think it is. It's, um, you know, it's it's a little bit more complex than Legos, but, uh, you know, it is it is very similar. It's a lot of pre-built modules, um, you know, follow the steps and, and you'll more than likely end up with something that works. So, and, and do you have instructions on your website for the soldering or is there a different place to find that? So for Fermentrack itself, for all of the installation for Fermentrack, um, we do have instructions. There are videos uh, at Fermentrack.com. Uh, I also have links to GitHub on Fermentrack.com. And on GitHub, I have uh, documentation for the ESP8266 um, BrewPy controller, as well as uh, instructions on how to go about uh, assembling some of the boards. 
One of the things that we've got for that controller um, that I have available is uh, pre-built PCB, they're not pre-built, sorry, um, pre-designed uh, circuit boards. So a lot of the smaller uh, fiddly bits that you might have to solder together, um, if you get one of those circuit boards, uh, you can uh, pretty easily then get everything else assembled around it. And, and those circuit boards are pretty inexpensive, right? Yeah. So the 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 company that I use to get those printed up, I think they charge about eight bucks for five, something like that. Okay. Um, you can. There's a number of other fabs that you can go to. Like, I'm sorry, fabrication houses that you can go to. Um, and those fabrication houses uh, may charge less than that, depending on what it is that you're, how many you're trying to get built. Okay. And uh, other other components or things like other than relays, the plugs, you you obviously need temperature probes, right? Yep. And Tem- temperature probes. Yeah. See, so well, you can get away with one, um, but if you really want to get the full power of uh, of the brew pie controller, you need at least two. I mean, a full build for a for a brew pie um, ESP eight two six six based uh, controller, you'd need one LCD screen, one ESP eight two six six, one of those PSB or um, PCBs, a relay, an outlet, a bunch of wires, some wire nuts, um, some kind of power uh, supply for the actual microcontroller. Um, all in all, I'd say generally a build, ten, like all of the parts included tend to cost about 20 to $25. Um, the main variable, honestly, is the enclosure that you put it in. I've seen people stick it in cigar boxes. I've seen people, I, I have, I use a 3D printed enclosure. Um, I've seen people put it inside of project boxes that you can get from Amazon. There's, there's a ton of different options. Yeah, mine particularly sitting in a project box. I, nothing wrong with that. That's and, the way to do it. And covered with a pan because it's on my back porch, so it doesn't get rained on. It's like oh goodness, it, it's, so, <laughs> it's 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 so ghetto, but it works and it works well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Can't complain about that. Well, are are you working any on any other projects than Ferment Track? I, I I know you got a new job, so are are, 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 you, are you are you working on anything new? Um. So the latest project that I released is uh, is actually Tillbridge. Um. It is a ESP32 based, so so um, more moder- slightly more modern chip than uh, the ESP8266. Um, it's it's based on the ESP32, and what it's designed to do is to take the Bluetooth signal that's in a tilt hydrometer and basically change that over to Wi-Fi. Um, it has an integrated display, some other stuff. Um, that one got released earlier this year. Uh, then separate from that, I also have a port that I'm working on of the BrewPy firmware to the ESP32, um, more to prove that it can be done than for any other reason. Um, in all honesty, the ESP8266 is more than powerful enough for most uses. So there's no real reason to spend more money on the ESP32. Um, and then the other main project that I've been working on is um, trying to get support for the modern line of firmware um into the esp8266 port of the uh of, of brew pie so this is some of the control benefits that came from um that, that, that came with the spark implementation of the brew pie get those ported over to uh to to the esp8266 as well um 
and, and, that that, spark, and that spark implementation does things like full brewery so like you could do mash temperatures and things like that as well right is that what you're trying to do or just some of the different fermentation side less less with that more with the fermentation side i, I know like for example like one of the big projects that elko's in the process of coming out with in fact i think it's supposed to be out any day now is uh is brew blocks um which is his brewery controller and in all honesty i mean i i I've had conversations with the guy. Very, very nice. Very helpful. Um, but if you're if you're interested at all in trying to get a um, a, a brewery controller built out, definitely it's a project to uh, to look into. Um, for me, I'm mostly looking at it from the perspective of how can I use this for for fermentation control as opposed to for brewery control. Yeah, the same here. Same here. Yeah. Uh, any any beers you're brewing right now? <laughs> um. Sadly, no. Um, I actually just picked up the stuff to do, of all things, a, a Yingling clone. Uh, I figured that uh, so so we're going to a Great American Beer Festival at the uh, at, at at the beginning of uh, of October, and I figured if I was going to have to have no interaction whatsoever with the beer for a while, I might as well go ahead and try my hand at uh, at lagering something. I've uh, for, for all my work with fermentation controllers, I don't think I've successfully brewed a lager that I've wanted to drink. So I uh, figure it's about time to make another attempt. Um, but yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I'm actually in Denver and I will be at Great American Beer Festival as well. So Perfect. Yeah. You're going to be there on Saturday? I am going to be there on Saturday. We'll, we'll, I'm there with my whole homebrew club. We'll have to definitely hook up. Definitely, definitely. I'll see you then. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, l- let's say I'm a new user. Let's say this mm-hmm. is, uh, I'm trying to get one going. What are the common issues you see people run into with a ferment track install? Um, with the ferment track install itself, honestly, not too many. So thankfully, one of the nice things is, is that as we've had people run into problems in the past, we tried to um, uh, build the script out in such a way that it, it provides feedback to the user to explain what it is might be going wrong. I think one of the biggest problems that we tend to see is once you've got Fermentrack installed, actually connecting the controller that you're using. Um, again, Fermentrack is designed, it, it has integrated uh, control uh, controller flash support so that you can flash Wi-Fi firmware, you can flash serial firmware based on whatever hardware you have, and then get that pretty easily hooked into Fermentrack itself. I think one of the biggest concern or one of the biggest issues people tend to run into is is if you're doing something like flashing wi-fi firmware you're going to have to do some setup after you get the firmware flash so Fermentrack will get you 80 percent of the way there but there are a few steps that need to be done at the end in order to then actually get that loaded into uh into Fermentrack. same thing is true with regards to uh, serial controllers once you get a serial controller flashed you still need to go through the process of getting it set up Fermentrack will try and guide you through that and try and give you input as to how to go about doing it, but you, you're you going to have to follow those steps or else it's not going to, uh, to ultimately work. Yeah, totally makes sense. Uh, any other common issues you see? Um, not really, honestly. I, I think that uh, for the most part, we it's it's been a lot of the common issues that we found and one of the things one of the refrains that i keep uh repeating over and over is um if it's confusing it's a bug 
usability is key with Furman track and it is one of the um one of one of the main principles in its design if something is hard to use if something is confusing if something is causing a lot of issues then even if the feature is working as it theoretically should be the fact that it's hard to use is in and of itself an issue and is something that needs to be fixed and to that end uh you know one thing that i would highly recommend is anyone out there that is using FermanTrack is interested in FermanTrack that builds it out tries it out if you have any concerns if you have anything that you are sitting there and using and thinking hey this could be done better or hey this is a feature i wish FermanTrack had you know reach out either open an issue on github um, reach out via um, homebrew talk forums is, is, a, is a place that i hang out reach out on reddit um more than happy to uh, uh, to to have a conversation about it and try and see if we can get it fixed or uh, get that new feature added. Awesome. Well, I I want to thank you for taking the time to really speak with me and talk about Ferment Track. I I know that this is an open source project. You're not really making any money at this, so <laughs> it, it is something that you're doing out of the kindness of your heart. And uh, as a home brewer, I totally appreciate it, and I'm sure others do. So I uh, want to thank you for you know, building such a cool project and thinking about it in a way of usability so that it's approachable to really anyone. No, thank you. And, and thank you so much for, uh, for using it. And thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to come here and talk about it. I'd like to thank John for coming on the show and building such a great piece of software like FermentTrack. I'll add links to the show notes, to John's website, and all of the Homebrew Talk forums, so if you need help building your own, you'll know where to go. Homebrewing DIY has a website, and if you want to look at in-depth photos of John's FermentTrack build and get more detailed show notes, head over to our website at homebrewingdiy.beer. That's homebrewingdiy.beer. We're on social media, and you should follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for the handle at homebrewingdiy. And then last, if you think giving away a show for free is a great business model, and it's something you'd like to support, please head on over to anchor.fm forward slash homebrewingdiy forward slash support and help keep the show on the air. Well, that's it for this week, and we'll see you next on Homebrewing DIY.